Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Do you wish you could find an educational podcast that your kids actually want to listen to and you enjoy too? Well, you're in luck. Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math, is a weekly show full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. We listened to a few episodes, and not only did our daughter want to listen to more next time we're in the car, I found myself chuckling too. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. You're transported to moments in ancient history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. Plus, they do a great job of teaching math theory without it being boring, complicated, or overly childish. And that can't be easy, but it's not really a surprise considering Mysteries About True Histories is from the creators of the hit podcast Who Smarted, Brain Games on Nat Geo and Disney+, and Brainchild on Netflix. Episodes drop every Thursday, and since they are about 15 minutes, they are the perfect length for kids ages 6 and up. Turn your next car ride, break time, or bedtime into math time with so much laughter that your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. You're listening to Wannabe Minimalist with Deanna Yates, episode number 144. Today, I am doing another Q&A, and I'm answering some of your commonly asked questions and some not-so-common questions. But if you've ever wanted to pick my brain, well, stick around, because today, I am telling you like it is. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and I am thrilled that you are here as always. If this is your first time here, well, welcome. I hope the info I provide is not only helpful, but that it inspires you to take action. Now, it has been a while since I did a Q&A show. In fact, the last one I did was episode 100, so I thought it would be fun to do another one. Plus, you all really seem to like this type of episode too, so I wanted to make sure I got you another one out there. Now, on episode 100, I answered questions about being sentimental, actually donating the things that you have decided to declutter, getting family on board with decluttering, and balancing having a family with minimalism. So if you are interested in my answers to any of those questions, uh, make sure you check out episode 100, and I will leave a link in the show notes so that you can find it easily and check it out. And so in order to not be repetitive, I've gone gone ahead and selected different questions from the community to answer today. Now, these questions have come in from my emails, from the Wannabe Minimalist Facebook community, um, through my Instagram DMs, and from people that I've met in person. Uh, But before we dive in too far, I would like to ask a quick favor from you. 
If you like what you hear today, can you please take a quick second to subscribe to this show wherever you prefer to listen to your podcasts? And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you could please take an extra minute and leave me a review, I would absolutely appreciate it. And it helps me create a better show for you. And to be honest, it makes me feel pretty great when I get these reviews. So it makes me want to be even better and make an even better show for you. So that's just kind of a little selfish reason why I love to get them. And so this past week, I did actually receive the nicest review from Ellen, and she writes, quote, a breath of fresh air, five stars. I have just started listening to these podcasts, and I absolutely love the fact that it's about reducing stuff, but without depriving yourself. I live in the UK, but the hints and tips work just as well here in the UK household. The 15-minute decluttering works perfectly for me. It's very doable, but makes a big difference, end quote. Well, Ellen, thank you so much for the review, and I am so happy to hear that that 15-minute declutter method works for you too, because it does work for me, and I really do swear by that method, so I love it. So thank you, and then please let me know if there's another topic that you would like me to cover, Um, and the same goes for you, all of you listening today. I do read all of my reviews, so if you want a shout out on this show, or you have a topic suggestion, sorry, uh, you could send me an email, DM me on Insta, or leave me a review you. Any of those work to get me your suggestions and I am all ears. All right, well, let's get back to today's topic and answer your questions. This first one is an anonymous question and she signed it a tired mom, but her email stated, and I quote, one thing I struggle with more than anything is when grandma who lives next door brings stuff to the kids or when she takes them away, uh, but buys them something. And it is usually something that is nice enough that the kids want to keep it, but it never adds value to their lives, but instead fills their drawers or shelves, AKA ends up all over the floor. The question is, how can I address this? We tried suggesting experiences and time with her are better gifts, but then she buys them something to bring home during that. Again, nothing in need or value add category. I should say also that we all have young kids yet, and grandma likes to convince everyone that they need things they actually do not. It's becoming a point of contention and struggle, and I really do not want to harbor frustration with her, but it is causing a lot of anxiety, so any advice would be helpful. All right, end quote. That was the end of her email. Oh man, I do feel for you. This is a real struggle, and I know a lot of people struggle with this. Um, In our home, I will give you a little more of an example from our lives and then um, just kind of what I have seen worked. We... I I do have to say that I am very lucky. Um, I have... My parents are wonderful in that they understand, they have learned from a lifetime uh, with me that stuff is not my love language, that I don't like to get a bunch of stuff, and I've been pretty um, opinionated, I would say, throughout my life. So they've kind of learned to live with that. And then my mother-in-law is wonderful. Um, To be honest, when our daughter was born, it was the first grandchild for her. So she probably did want to buy her all the stuff and she had two boys herself. So this was the first daughter in her life. And, um, so she probably did want to go out and buy all those things, but we did have, um, you know, pretty specific desires. And she was aware of those. And we did have those conversations with her of just letting her know the kinds of things we wanted. And I think in the back of their minds, both of our families know that if we end up with stuff that we don't want, it won't stay in our homes. So a couple suggestions, because especially because grandma lives next door in this scenario. Now, can some of those toys live at her house? 
because she can't use the excuse that the kids won't have access to them because she's next door. So it must be pretty easy for the kids to run over there and get what they want if and when they need them. And so perhaps you can split the things or you can say that there's no more room in you know, your home or in the containers that the kids have. And so if this is something that she wants them to have, it's going to have to stay in her house. I think you do have to have those real conversations. It sounds like you've had that conversation with her where you've suggested it, but has it been a very explicit conversation? Has it been something where you've said, we would prefer this more than it is necessary for us to? And I think with grandparents and children, you kind of have to live the example, right? You have to follow up what you say with actions. And so maybe there will be a declutter session in your house. And one of the ways I would recommend doing this with your children is to give them a container so that your children get to choose what to keep, right? Those are their treasures. And maybe they have a special place for their treasures from grandma. And it could be, it doesn't have to be a small, it's not, I'm not talking a shoebox size. I mean, it could be a toy chest. It could be a shelf. It could be, you know, a special place in the closet. It could be whatever, one, uh, you know, a canvas bin. You get to choose the container that fits in the room, but then they get to choose the toys that stay in there. And then if there's anything in there that doesn't fit, which it sounds like there's going to be plenty of stuff that doesn't fit, you can then have the conversation with grandma that says, hey, we now have this area and say why you want to work on it. Like, is it hard for you to keep a clean house? Do you not get to have uh, friends over because there's no place for them to play? Do you, does it just cause you, you know, mental stress when you have that much stuff in your house? This is your home. You get to decide. You are in charge of your home and you get to decide what stays in there. And I know these conversations are hard and I know that some feelings might be hurt and there might be some feathers ruffled, but you have to decide whether Having that those feathers ruffled for a short amount of time is worth the long-term sanity that you're going to get when you after you have this tough conversation. And hopefully it won't cause too much strife, but it's already causing strife for you, which means it's going to start causing strife between you and your husband. And it would be preferable, I'm assuming, to have strife between you, you know, your nu- nuclear family in your house, you and your husband against the grandmother versus you and your husband against each other. So there, I'm not saying I want anybody to have any strife. I definitely don't. Um, but you need to make sure that you are living your full, authentic, wonderful self within your own home. And the stuff doesn't have to stay. And if grandma feels bad about it, well, then she can keep the things in her home. Because if it's really about the children, then she will be fine letting them play with those things at their house. Okay. And I know a lot of people show their love through things. Um, but once we have too many things, and you can, have, you know what? Have grandma listen to this episode if she's really having a tough time. <laughs> you can blame me. I am totally fine with that. It really is kind of comes back to that because once they have so many things, if they have too many things, nothing is special, right? If you have one thing, then it becomes special. And another way you could do it is you could start taking pictures of the things and putting them in a photo album or creating a photo book uh, with the pictures of the different things and then have grandma write about each thing, right? Or have grandma write about the experiences that she has with the kids. And that is going to be so much more impactful than the item, than the toy, than the plastic thing than they that they have, okay? So that would be one 
suggestion, I would say, take a picture of each of the things, make a photo book or a photo album, but leave room for there to be a written description or grandma could type it up. You could then take pictures of that and put it with the pictures um, and just see if she'll work with you on that way of making it more meaningful and more sentimental for the kids to really look back on and cherish one day versus just being a piece of junk that's going to end up in the landfill. Okay, because honestly, anything we buy, someday it is going to end up in the landfill. Um, And we're not going to be able to keep all of these things. And at some point, they're going to outgrow them and want to get rid of them. But if they had them in a book with a nice story to them, then they would have that to look back on. And it won't take up too much space. And you don't even have to make the book until you have enough of those stories collected so they could actually live digitally um, on your computer. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. Imagine this, your dog suddenly needs a vet or your kid has a little accident and needs a dentist, ASAP. We've been there and waiting for your payday in those situations just doesn't make sense and it adds unnecessary stress. With Earn In, you can pull up to $100 per day or up to $750 each pay period directly from your earnings without the crazy fees or interest rates. It's super simple. Download the Earnin app, verify your paycheck, and get access to your earnings as you earn them. You decide what to tip, and whatever you use gets settled on your next payday. More than 3.5 million users are finding relief and a sense of security with Earnin, calling it a lifeline for financial stability. That peace of mind, it's priceless, and it could be yours. Ready to give it a try? Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Clutter under Podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under Podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. This podcast is supported by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. We've been using Active Skin Repair for a few months now, and I am seriously impressed. They use a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which is pretty much a superhero in skincare. It mimics your body's own immune response, helping to cleanse, soothe, and reduce inflammation to support the natural healing process. And let me tell you, it works for more than just scraped knees. Whether it's sunburns, rashes, or even more persistent issues like eczema or acne, Active Skin Repair has got you covered. The best part? It's totally safe and non-toxic. That means it's gentle enough for every skin type, from the little ones to grandma and everyone in between, making it the go-to for everyone in the family. I scraped my knuckle the other day while doing laundry, and my first thought was to grab the Active Skin Repair because one, it doesn't sting like other products, and two, I knew it would help me heal faster. So if you're looking for a natural, effective way to handle boo-boos, check out Active Skin Repair. And because you're a listener, you can get 20% off your order. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair. And to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. And I did actually, I did my research. I did reach out to kind of our San Diego surrogate grandma. It is a um, our daughter's friend's grandma. And I do actually have playdates with her quite often and with the kids. Um, and so I get to chat with her pretty often. And so shout out to you, Sharon, if you're listening. Um, but I did make sure to ask her 
you know, if the kids sat her down and and said to her, hey, we really would like to stop getting so much stuff. We're really working on this journey where we're trying to declutter and organize our house. And for us, that's really important. You know, would she feel offended if they sat her down and said, we really would prefer you to not buy so much stuff? And she said, you know, I really just want them to be happy, right? I'm buying the stuff because I think it's something that they want. And if they're not going to want it and it's not going to bring them joy, then I would like to know that. So it sounds like you've had that conversation, but I just want to recommend circling back to it and maybe looking at it from a perspective of, coming from where you are in the journey that you are on and seeing if she's willing to compromise with you um, in that. And then if she, you know, you got to follow it up with the action. You got to have that tough love and say, hey, remember we agreed to not buying the thing. I don't have any place for it. So it can can live in your house or I'm going to need to re-gift it to someone else. And after that happens a few times, she's probably going to learn just like your kids would. Okay. All right, tired mama. I hope that helps. I know it's a little tough love, but I think when you start living the values that you have for yourself and that you want to have in your home, it will start to feel a little bit better and and fit in. And I know it's scary, but I know you can do it. I am rooting for you. So please follow back up with me and let me know how that goes. All right. The second question that we have comes from the podcast conference that I just attended this past week. And during my networking and meeting with people and telling them who I was and and what I do, um, I ran into a new dad who was already feeling overwhelmed with stuff. I mean, he has a, a child that's only a couple months old. And he was saying that, you know, we're already starting to feel inundated with all this stuff. And so I shared with him some following advice. First off, I said, congratulations for figuring this out and noticing it early on. And then I said, you're pretty lucky because you're catching it early too. So we're going to be able to deal with it before it becomes this really big problem. And I I really don't believe that you need all the things. And this is one thing that I learned in my own experience, right? When we lived, when our daughter was born, we were in Colorado and we did, we started buying all the things or we had the shower and people bought us the stuff. And, you know, because people love you, they want you to have the things. Um, and so the one of the things that we ended up finding out is your child is going to be different and unique and they are going to have their own likes and wants and things that they really enjoy too. And one of the things I, when I was a baby, supposedly I loved the baby swing. And so we ended up with a giant baby swing for our child. She hated it. Our child did not like the swings until she was like four years old. (laughs) You know, most people can go and like swing their kids. No, she was not really into it. She just, it just wasn't her jam. And so having a swing in our house was not her jam. And then we ended up traveling. We sold about 90% of everything we owned when she was about a year old and we traveled. And most of the stuff we ended up keeping was kind of her stuff that we were coming back to and some furniture pieces. Um, But we really let go of a lot of stuff. And when we were traveling, we realized we didn't need all that stuff. I didn't travel with our stroller. She was only a year, so we just would wear her and carry her as we went on walks um, and things like that when we were going far. And, um, you know, we got away with it. We didn't have the plastic plates. She ate off of the, I know, crazy. She drank out of real glasses and ate off of real plates from the Airbnbs that we stayed in. And we survived just fine. She didn't need a ton of toys. We brought a few Legos because they were really good to be able to kind of re, uh, oh, sorry, that the Legos were the second time we traveled. 
when she was one, yeah, we didn't even have those. Um, sorry, I got our two travel experiences mixed up because we also traveled for a year and a half when she was five. So uh, we have those two different experiences. But when she was a baby, that was easy. That was walks in the park. That was, you know, going to zoos. That was looking at different things. That was gathering rocks and sticks. I mean, those were honestly her favorite toys when she was a little. I know it sounds crazy, but we could have all the stuff and all she wanted to do was pick up rocks from the ground. So uh, kind of just one of those things to remind you that babies really don't need anything. But one of the things that is great, especially when if you catch this early and with new children, especially new babies, the toy rotation is something to really factor in because when they're babies, they don't have that much stuff. Their attention span is very small. So you can have just like one of those like, uh, cloth bins, the 12 by 12 inch cloth bins, and you could put, just divide them in two, have two different groups of toys, and then rotate those bins out every couple weeks. And your kids aren't going to know the difference and it's going to be great. And they don't have to get all the things because he was talking about how he felt like they didn't have very many toys, but they felt like their child was getting bored with them. And I assured him I did not think his child was getting bored with them, but the toy rotation would be a really good solution to that because they will forget what they were playing with the week before or two weeks before. So it'll feel like new toys for them. And then be willing to let go of things that you try that do not work. And so for us, that was the things like that swing didn't work for us. So we had to let it go and be okay saying like, well, what works for someone and what worked for me maybe doesn't work for someone else and doesn't work for my child. So sometimes we do have to try those things and we just have to be willing to let go and just say, well, we gave it a try and it's not for us. And then the last thing I would recommend um, when you are trying to declutter uh, with a new baby or you're looking for new baby stuff is to really use your local buy nothing group as a great resource. Children grow out of things so quickly, and I constantly see amazing baby things offered for free through our local group. So if you do have a local buy nothing group in your area, I highly, highly, highly recommend you check it out. However, you do need to be very careful. Be very specific with yourself about what you're looking for, and don't get caught up in, oh, that's cute, I want that, because you are going to find things on there that you never even knew you needed or wanted, and... um. So just be careful about what you do actually put your hand up and say, yes, I would love to put, love to have that. Um, so just use it as a resource though, because you can find a bunch of great things, not have to spend a lot of money, help the environment and, uh, you know, help somebody else declutter their stuff. And then when you are finished with it, when your baby has moved out of the baby phase, you are able to re-gift it back to the group, which is a wonderful, wonderful way to kind of, uh, make the the longevity of our things uh, last longer, right? Make our things last longer. So all good for the environment. Okay, so that's question number two is, um, you know, basically helping keep our stuff down with new babies. The third question is actually from the wannabe minimalist family group. And this member asked about parting with things from the family home of 32 years, because a lot has accumulated over that time, right? And they said, quote, in addition to our stuff, I still have my grown children's belongings. Although they have diminished over the years, there is still a big presence, end quote. Well, in this situation, I would recommend that you actually ask your kids to help you with the clean out. They likely don't want it either. I hate to be harsh, but they probably don't want as much stuff as you think they will. I think tastes have changed a lot. Um, and there's just, you know, the stuff just doesn't 
it's just not the same, right? I mean, I get that some of the quality has diminished. A lot of the quality has diminished, let's be honest, with the toys today. But like there were things my mom had saved a few things from my childhood for our daughter. And I remember they had just kind of disintegrated. Like, so we had some uh oh gosh what were they strawberry shortcake dolls and those had just kind of the plastic had gotten kind of sticky they weren't great um so our daughter was like no thank you and they kind of just had a you know they were dolls that were supposed to have a smell to them so they had a smell to them and our kiddo was just like not into it she really wasn't but it still took my mom quite a while to let go of those because they had been around for so long so if you can ask your children if they want them or don't want them. And if they don't want them, be willing to let it go because no one else is going to want them. They're not going to, you know, suddenly everyone's going to change their mind and be like, oh, I really want that thing. They likely will not because if they've already parted with them sentimentally, then they're definitely not, not going to want them. Okay. I hope that makes sense. Um, the other thing is that it they might actually be delighted to help you clean out some of this stuff because I think we all know as kids that it's someday going to be our responsibility to clean out our parents' homes. And we all hope that that time comes later than um, sooner. But we know in the back of our minds that it's going to happen. And if we can get a handle on some of that now, know what's there, know what needs to be taken care of, and be able to clear some of it out before we get to that those big emotional times, it's really helpful for everybody. Um, there's a book called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, and it's not as morbid as it sounds, but it basically is this kind of idea that we clean our things out as we go through life so that other people aren't having to clean up for us, right? Clean up after us. I think that's a really good book if you are looking to kind of clean out your home. Uh, And if you have a bunch of your kids stuff, get your kids to come over and clean it up. And if they don't want it or they do want it, even, okay, here's best. If they do say they want it, then make them take it with them. You do, you're not a storage unit. You do not need to store your children's things, especially if they're grown and they have their own homes. They can now take their stuff. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilled Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of TILT is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the TILT Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival, 
and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Okay, so, and if that's going to tell you, right, that's that's like the proof is in the pudding or put your money where your mouth is, all those sayings, right? If you say you want it, then you take it. And if you say you want it and you don't take it, I will get rid of it in six months. And if it's still here in six months, you have to follow through and then and get rid of it and let them know, obviously, before you do. But um, I think that's a good way to kind of get it out because you deserve your own home as well. You deserve to have your home back. You deserve it to be your an empty nest uh, sanctuary where you want it, where you get to you know pursue new hobbies and uh, kind of get back in touch with who you are now that you don't have the kids uh, in the house anymore. Okay, so hopefully that helps. And the fourth question for today also comes from the Facebook group. A member asked, and I quote, I have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and they rarely pick up after themselves. What do you guys do to help your kids help you tidy up? Oh, and I do have to point out that we had some awesome members jump in with suggestions of what has helped them, you know, in their home. And I'm going to tell you what some of them had to say. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit um, because it is a private group. I don't want to give away too much. So the first one said that there is probably no right or wrong answer. It's whatever works for you and your family. And I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, they say that they've been through different stages of trying different things. And currently, their girls have enjoyed with some decluttering. And so they've decluttered as a way to help the kids pick up more. So if the kids want to get more toys, if they want to get them out, then they have to, they've instructed them that they have to clean up first before they get the new toys out very Montessori kind of preschool-esque of them, you know, kind of this tidy up as you go, which really works great, except you do have to, I feel like you have to police that one a lot. So you have to be there and kind of overseeing your kids. And so that one is definitely a little, um, you got to make sure that you are there to help your kids with that. Um, but once you can get that on, you know, up and running, that is a wonderful life skill to be able to teach your children to tidy up as they go. Another member said that they have diff they have three different kids and they actually work with different systems. So different systems work for each of their kids. Their older boy has his own space that he's in charge of. And so basically he's kind of a self-starter and can clean up after himself. The younger boy, they said, is horrible about picking up his mess, but he will do the dishes or make dinner. And so basically they kind of have a different way to approach cleaning with him. Like they do different tasks. And so they kind of self-manage with different tasks in their home versus, you know, just being in charge of yourself. Um, I hope that makes sense. And then their their youngest is three and they she actually needs them to sit with her and and help clean up at the end of the day. Obviously, a lot of this is age dependent, but the person asking has a six and a 10 year old who at this age are definitely capable of picking up after themselves. And then the third answer I'm going to share with you today was from Another member that said that their three-year-old, they've told their three-year-old that anything that's left out at the end of the day goes away for the for a week. And it's worked well for them since they started implementing it. And they also have a good organizing system for themselves. So that's been helpful. They're basically practicing um, and modeling the behavior that they want to see in their child. So my suggestion is probably closest to the third one with a little tough love. Um, the key is really going to be consistency. So your children are six and 10. That means 
they have their own habits, good and bad established, right? So it's going to take a little extra work, I think, to kind of get a system up and running with them. And so you need to be patient with yourself and with them, but be very consistent, set the boundaries and stick with them. So I would recommend that you don't clean up after them. Um, Maybe there's a day of demonstration day because sometimes we do get in that like, hey, pick up, but the kids don't actually know what that means. Maybe they don't know what pick up means. Maybe they don't know where the things actually belong. So maybe starting with the boundary of, hey, Let's have a cleanup day. I'm going to help you know where things go. We're going to set the base level. This is what cleaned up looks like. And then from there, when you hit those moments that are messy, you can say, hey, let's get back to that baseline clean level. Or, you know, so then you say to them, hey, if I'm the one that's having to clean up your stuff, your stuff is going to have to go into jail and you're going to have to do a uh, chore or something to get it back. And I call this the jailbox method. And just you can have a you know a list of chores that you have in your house that somebody has to do one of these chores in order to get something out of the box and again it's going to be difficult that first time there is going to be lots of whines there's going to be cries there's going to be pushback but the more you stick with it the easier it will get so i highly recommend that but you have to set that baseline you have to set the expectation they have to know what is required and what you are asking of them and you know what you expect. And then once you have that in place, then you can set that um, that jailbox method into place. And so that's kind of anything you pick up throughout the day. And you can decide if it's like, um, if you pick up a whole basket, you can say, okay, you have to do this big chore and you can get the whole basket back. You can put the dishes away. You can get one thing out of here. You can decide uh, what those parameters are, but I highly recommend that it's it's It moves past the asking phase at this point because asking obviously hasn't gotten you anywhere. So we do actually need to take a different method and a different approach in order to make the uh, changes that you'd like to see in your house. All right. So I hope that helped. I think we will wrap up with that one today. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who continues to participate in the Facebook community, who sends me emails and DMs. I love getting to answer your questions. And if you want to join the conversation on the Wannabe Minimalist Facebook group, please come on over and check it out. I will leave links in the show notes. So head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 144 to find those links and the links to the other resources that I do offer. Once again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 144. And that just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I do want to take a minute to thank you for listening to the show. And I appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me. I hope that this information that I provided today is encouraging. I know I did have a little bit of tough love. It's a little bit tougher, I think, than I normally uh, get. But I do want to help you um, on your journey so much. And so sometimes we do need to have a little bit of tough love. So remember to subscribe and leave a rating or a review if you liked what you heard today. And that's about it for this week's show. As always, feel free to reach out to me with your questions and comments. I want to be your cheerleader. I want to help you get the life of your dreams. And of course, I feel like that starts in your home. Next week, I will be chatting with Dr. Sam about how we can get our kids to be better eaters, even if they are super picky. So if you are a parent, you'll definitely want to check it out. I'm Deanna Yates, and you've been listening to Wannabe Minimalist. I'll see you next week. Cheers. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. 
My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness. And I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder. And I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.